Off the Bench is a podcast created by ASCLS that will discuss the scientific and not so scientific ideas in laboratory medicine. We are joined by members of ASCLS, fellow scientists, educators, and researchers, along with those interested in the profession. We share ideas and talk nerdy. This episode of Off the Bench is sponsored by the University of Cincinnati Online. Are you ready to take the next step in your medical laboratory career? Earn a Master of Science in Medical Laboratory Science Leadership from the University of Cincinnati Online and learn what you need to advance while still staying within the field. Visit online.uc.edu forward slash MSMLS to learn more. Hello and welcome everyone to your March episode of the Off the Bench podcast. Uh, my name is Galena. I'll be your host today. And we are here today in in uh, observation of the upcoming Medical Laboratory Professionals Week. Uh, it is an April 23rd to 29th. Um, and this week is full of uh, various um, scrub themes, you know, games, scavenger hunts. You know, we usually get pizza, bagel parties. Um, and today, we wanted to record a podcast for the ambitious planners that may want to step up their game and host a more engaging event. Um, and so today we're going to talk about trivia night and to help us break down all the components of a trivia night is Allison Germ, uh, a fellow laboratorian and an avid trivia night host and expert. Welcome, Allison. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited to have you on be because um, I I have participated in trivia nights with you uh, and, and thus have learned that you have uh, been hosting and are quite the expert. How long have you been hosting trivia nights? Oh, I have played and hosted trivia nights since 2016. My goodness. And, and that's weekly, right? Yes, every week, every week, go to the same, the same bar, same pub, and we participate in trivia. It's a blast. Wow. And, you know, I love attending trivia and actually just uh, our team just won uh, the for the first time a trivia night, which I was very excited about. We got a lot of I got a lot of loot from the bar. Um, it, but I imagine that hosting trivia night, there's a lot of considerations for it. And uh, just thinking about the logistics of how to plan one uh, can be a little overwhelming, especially for someone that maybe has only ever participated in one. So hoping that you could shed some light on some of the logistics around that. Oh, I'd be glad to, you know, it's a lot easier than a lot of people think. <laughs> um, so I guess let's talk, let's start with um, timing. Um, you know, when you're planning the timing of your trivia night, you have to consider um, everyone's availability um, and kind of where you're hosting it. Uh, how do you how do you plan the time? Yeah, honestly, the best bet for planning a time, try to avoid, you know, those times when the venue you want to host your trivia at is hosting other events. Ideally, you want to be the only event at that location so that it can be fairly quiet, so you can be heard. So say if you want to host it at like a bar or brewery type location, Tuesdays might not be the best bet because that is a very popular day for other trivias to have happen. Uh, so best to inquire on events ahead of time and avoid those. 
So I, when we're talking about location, I was thinking there, there's two things you could do. Uh, the first you mentioned is hosting it at a bar, which is super fun because you can get some drinks, you can get loud and fun and uh, enjoy your time with your team. Uh, I would imagine, you know, you're saying you were mentioning that we don't want to have too much other things going on at the bar. Uh, do you have to reserve space ahead of time with the bar? I, yeah, ideally you would be best served speaking to the location ahead of time, reserving space, um, because you need to be heard if you are announcing trivia. Um, if it's going to be a busy location, there's going to be folks there who aren't participating in your trivia. That'll make it much harder for your participants to understand your questions, and it'll be less fun. So if you reserve a space, that will go a long way. Do you know if there's... Or have you encountered if there's fee associations with that? Or are bars pretty much saying you can have this corner, it's just for you guys, our other patrons can be on the other side? Or does it vary? Um, it varies depending on how used to hosting events like this that venue is. Uh, often they, there will be a reservation fee. But, you know, if you discuss with it, if it's an open event and not a private one, if you let other folks join, then... They might be able to talk them down. <laughs> and I think the other negotiation with the bar that would be nice is prizes to motivate participants and create a competitive atmosphere. Do you, do you guys coordinate that with the bar? Yes. And um, ours is actually uh, the bar coordinates with a local brewery. Um, so they pull in uh, swag like T-shirts and glasses and stickers and things um, that are given out as prizes, as well as the bar gives out uh, gift cards to the location itself to winners as well. So if you coordinate, often you can get some really cool prizes. Yeah, the the trivia night that we just won, our prize was uh, half off our tab. So for for six people, it came out to just be, I don't know, like $30 for a night full of um, you know, two, three hours. So um, that was, that was a really fun prize for us too. The, the other venue that I was thinking of is uh, to host it at your lab location or at a main hospital hub that you have where you could, you know, you already have folks there. I could see that being a benefit. And if you have a room that you can reserve, um, I would imagine that it, that would uh, not incur a fee. It would just be a, a reservation. I mean, Downside of that being is I don't know what limitations there are on bringing over booze um, and how would you you'd have to probably provide some snacks or um, drinks. Right. Yeah, that kind of location would be awesome for volume because, you know, you're the only group in that space. Folks can hear what's going on um, as long as you know, you're comfortable. No, uh, your your audiovisual resources and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, is a, a key thing to be aware of. So those conference rooms often have those resources right there, super handy, easy to use. Uh, the key is, yeah, what beverages, snacks do you bring? <laughs> yeah, and how do you organize that? But I would imagine that you potentially, actually, I don't know if you would have less or more participation because I'm thinking if you host it right at shift change, uh, everyone coming off uh, day shift, you know, it's much less effort barrier to entry to just come downstairs, uh, but but maybe more fun at a bar again. 
Yeah, it really depends on what participation you're looking for. Um, that can often make it a lot easier if folks, they already have a transit plan coming to work. They know yeah how to get there, what's going on. They are already comfortable either driving there or navigating there might be the way to include the most folks at your own laboratory there. Um, but yes, you are right. You are a little more limited in yeah refreshments or other aspects. And sometimes it is fun to hang out with people at a different location. It really it all depends on your goal. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, you mentioned technology, uh, especially when thinking about if you want to host it at a hospital, uh, making sure that you have everything you need there. What kind of technology are we talking about that you would recommend for Trivia Night? Yeah, if you aren't someone with a naturally loud voice and you're not looking to shout out the questions, it is helpful to have a microphone and a little speaker connected so that everyone can hear you say the questions. Uh, you can also get very creative with your questions and maybe have a PowerPoint or you might want to do like audio clips. Um, you just, you know, being mindful of how far you want to go, uh, you need resources accordingly. So if you do have a conference room set up, it might be super easy to hook up your laptop to the projector and display your questions on a big screen. Um, if you are looking to do a PowerPoint at, say, a bar venue, you know, scope it out ahead of time. Make sure that there's a TV that's visible. Otherwise, you might have to think about uh, whether you're going to bring a screen or maybe you print out your slides ahead of time and you walk them around the room. Uh, it really yeah, depends on your location's technology. And a bar might also maybe have a speaker and a mic that they could lend you? Yes, most do. Yep. Ooh, that's that's a great win. Um, and I know, you know, the trivia nights that uh, we've attended, there's a trivia app that the actual professional trivia nights use. And I don't think that, you know, we are privy to such apps or I haven't heard of any. So you've listed some uh, great alternatives to that about whether either to project uh, PowerPoint or to have them as handouts. So it can get creative there depending on what technology is available. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, we talked about timing and location. What about time? How, how, what would you say for the length of uh, trivia night and how you adapt your questions and categories and how many categories you have to fit into that time frame? Yeah, I have found that about two hours tends to be the best time frame for a trivia night. It's long enough where you can all hang out together, see each other for you know adequate time, but not so long that it starts to get old, right? So to get to two hours, we tend to do four rounds of spoken questions, eight questions in each round, and that tends to break down to about two minutes per question. You don't have to be that exact about it, if you see that folks are are done conferring, if they start talking amongst themselves, you can move on to the next question. But I do greatly appreciate appreciate the precision of four rounds, eight questions, two minutes a question, because you know your audience is laboratorians, and we love a good SOP. So thank you. <laughs> Indeed, within those questions, we do usually also have a printed round that's either a list 
or a set of pictures that each round each team has to identify and that is just done all throughout so that one's not spoken so extra questions that teams can work on you know after they have answered the spoken question helps keeps the teams engaged so clarify for me the is it a visual round on its own or yes. is okay it's on its own that they can work on in their own time yes so uh, an example would be yeah like monuments you have images of monuments on this paper with blanks and the teams have to identify them and so does th then that makes it five rounds total yes got it and since we're starting talking about a little bit the examples uh let's get into the content of your trivia night which which may be the hardest part um is to figure out your questions and what you're going to ask. Uh, so first and foremost, let's talk about accessibility. How do you how do you make this fun for all participants? You know, we know our audience. We're hosting it for Lab Week. We're going to invite all our fellow uh, generalists, our microbiologists, our specialists, um, and not everyone knows everything. So how do you how do you make it accessible to all participants, regardless of what department they work in? Right. Yeah. Keeping the audience in mind, checking in with yourself, you know, what demographics of either folks or jobs or items like that, who is coming to your trivia honestly really helps with writing. So what you can do is you can have an overall topic, you know, like microbiology, but not everyone is you know, into the weeds, working up cultures every single day. We don't all know all the very special you know, details with all of the items. So what you can do is start each question potentially with either a fun fact or just a statement about that topic. And then your question can relate to that fun fact, but still be accessible to all parties all in demographics. Um, find that that's a very helpful way to have all your questions be unified, but then also, yeah, accessible to everyone. What I'm hearing from that is we don't have to hyper-focus all our questions on uh, just pure medical technology knowledge. Instead, we use it as a bridge to more general topics. Yes, yes. I find that questions like that um, trivia participants really love questions like that because honestly it's an opportunity to learn more about other areas of the lab and we all love learning right so any chance we have to get that you know get extra knowledge is always a win and I would imagine too that you adjust different rounds with different levels of difficulty as well yes um you should have varying difficulties within each round. I usually like to start and end rounds with easier questions to sort of ease teams into it, uh, give them an idea of what this round is about. And then at the end, if they have an easy question, they can look back at some of the harder questions and have another 30 seconds to rack their brains for the answer before they have to turn in their answers. Do you pre-print the questions for them to go back to or refer back to per each round, or is it only spoken and they just they have one opportunity to write it down? I personally 
print answer sheets that are numbered with spaces for answers, but I only speak the questions. If you say each question two times, that's usually enough for people to realize that you're giving them a question and then another chance to really hear it and take a note. But it is never a bad idea to allow your participants to ask for repeats if necessary. Uh, wonderful, thank you. We'll take example uh, myself. If I wanted to host uh, Trivia Night, I am definitely niched in the uh, LIS uh, IT world. Uh, I, it would be difficult for me to come up with questions uh, on other topics, which, of course, a good trivia night would require me to do. Um, when you train you know, know your new hosts uh, on how to come up with questions uh, that kind of connect to what I do and what I love, um, and then broaden it out, um, do you either have suggestions and further examples? Yeah, I tend to tell people, okay, find a topic that you really love or really nostalgic for um, and come up yeah, with fun facts you really love about it and then come up with tangential questions related to those topics. So well, one of my favorite examples is is not re lab related, but it uh, it is super fun. We had a previous round uh, in one of our previous hostings um, all about guinea pigs, right? Now, few of us are experts about guinea pigs, right? Very few of us know any details about them. However, we were able to tell our audience kind of cute, fun facts about guinea pigs and ask questions related. Can I give you an example of one? Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Okay, here's uh, a fun one here. When uh, large groups of guinea pigs are startled and they run. They stampede. Now, though, a stampede of guinea pigs did not kill Simba's dad, Mufasa, in The Lion King. What animal did stampede? And the answer there is the wildebeest, right? So we managed to relate guinea pigs to a movie, The Lion King. You can do all kinds of things like that. I find that trivia audiences really respond well to it. And what I heard you do in order is you state the fact first and then ask the question. Is that important? That is important. If you ask the question first, all the teams are going to start thinking about the answer to that question and not even hear your fun fact. Uh, so you might want to add the question at the end of that prompt. Have your fun fact first. That's wonderful. Uh, are there any other um, tips that you give to your new hosts uh, regarding audience engagement uh, when creating questions? Right. Um, try to keep your questions, the actual questions, about as broad knowledge as possible. If you have a round that's entirely questions of one particular niche topic, invariably you will have some teams that don't have any knowledge on that topic and they will become very disengaged. They might start talking, getting distracted. And then when that team is out around, 
they have no hope of catching up and and they might end up distracting other teams. So trying to you know keep you know as ver much a variety of questions enough knowledge bases as possible is always a great idea. I'm taking notes. Uh, do not host a round strictly on trematodes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I um, would struggle on that one. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by the University of Cincinnati Online. Did you know qualified leaders in medical laboratory science are in high demand? The University of Cincinnati Online's Master's in Medical Laboratory Science Leadership provides the skills to fill those roles with dedicated professionals. The fully online program lets you balance life and work while completing your degree, and the world-class faculty will support you every step of the way. Take the next step in advancing your medical laboratory career. Visit online.uc.edu forward slash MSMLS. Another another good hint is is when you're writing questions, it's better to be slightly too easy than too difficult. Uh, you want to write your questions so that they are answerable by, you know, a, a significant number of people. Like you don't have to make them all super easy. They can be challenging, but the goal of the question that's challenging should be to prompt like, discussion within the teams. Um, you want your participants to really dig deep into their brains um, to find that information. And then even if they don't get the answer, you know, uh, I love hearing, oh, I should have gotten that answer <laughs> when we read our answers at the end. Um, you, want, you want people to dig deep for that. So my personal metric for, for questions like that is I want every question to be answered correctly, um, at least by one team out of the, say, eight teams that are present. I would imagine that for your first time hosting a trivia night, that could be challenging to calibrate. And that's, would you say that that skill is acquired the more you host trivia nights to gauge that difficulty level to your audience? Yes, it is. I can tell you the first time that I hosted um, was not the best gauging of of difficulty. I did because I am a laboratorian. I went right into a biology round, but I my audience was a standard bar audience. They did not all go to school for medical lab <laughs> science. <laughs> so I I quickly learned um, how to scale back and how I can share how you know, leukocyte means white blood cell, and then have a question that is you know, tangentially related so that you can share your passions, but still have everyone participate. Um, so yes, your first time hosting, it might not be the exact uh, number of points that you thought everyone would get, but that's totally okay. It usually takes a, a time or two to really get the hang of it. I'm not sure what's scarier to have everyone win and then having to the bar come up uh, with prizes for everyone in your audience or to have no one get many answers. You know what? It's so much better to have everyone doing really well. That is a good point you bring up. It's always a good idea um, when you write your rounds to have extra questions in your back pocket as good tiebreakers. Oh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess that that's not something I considered. You know, you have your standard questions that we talked about, eight questions per round, but do you ever add on um, double bonus rounds or uh, any special features to rounds? 
Oh, yeah, you can do lots of different things and you can get very creative with it. Uh, some of the teams that also host trivia at the place I do, some of them have a feature they call the super genius bonus. If any team is the only team to get an answer correct for a question, they get an extra couple of points for it because they were super geniuses. Um, another team likes to tell you all of their round themes at the beginning of the night and then you write down on that on the first sheet of paper you write down which of those rounds you want to double the points for so you pick the round you're most confident in and hopefully you do really well on that and you double your points uh, so there's lots of different things you can do the one caveat i would give is that tr you really want to try to balance um, the the point weights for all year round. So for an example, my team likes to try to have each round be worth 13 points total. Mm -hmm. That can be accomplished in a few ways. Some questions could be worth more or less points. You could just have more questions, different ways, but it does not work quite as well to have one round be worth 26 points and another round worth 10 points. Then if that one team does really well on that 26-point topic, they dominate the trivia and no one else has a hope of even catching up with them. So it's good to have a good balanced spread. And and really commit to saying each round, for the most part, only has this many questions to make it even. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which number you end up choosing as long as they're balanced. You could have them all be worth 100 points if you really wanted. The key mm -hmm. is balance. Mm -hmm. One one item that you mentioned, it leads me to my next question it is how do you as a host grade the trivia night? So if you don't have, you know, access to the trivia apps is, is every team getting a sheet of paper? And what does that paper have? And then how do you manage grading? Is it after each round or at the end of the night? Yeah, different teams approach this in different ways. It's generally best to have more than one person hosting a trivia night just for efficiency's sake. So you can have one person who's asking the questions, another person who is grabbing answer sheets, grading previous rounds at the same time. That's what my team does and it works quite well for us. I have been to other trivia nights that have uh, lower stakes prizes and so they trust teams to grade their own answer sheets. It really depends on you know, how many people you have helping you out for your trivia night and, and how you want to approach that. It, it sounds like uh, as a, it, it works better to not be a single host. The more, the better. Yep. My team often has four people hosting, but I find two works quite well. Wonderful. Coming back to uh, the questions themselves, you know, we've already kind of gave some great examples on uh, how to apply questions to a broader audience, right? Make them tangential, make make your fun fact apply to broad topics, which is um, such a, a key suggestion. And then when we talk about other categories, usually... Um, the trivia nights I've been to, we encounter a visual and a sound round. Uh, could you speak to how you can incorporate those into a med lab science um, tri themed trivia? Oh, yes. 
I love a good sound round. My favorite thing to do is to pull out my iTunes catalog, grab some some audio clips, and then cut those clips down to particular about 10 to 15 second pieces of a song. Uh, so for med labs, I would say songs with body parts in the title or lyrics might be a fun, fun <laughs> one. I think you'd have a lot to choose from there. That's fun. Is there um, an app or software that you use that you recommend that makes it easy to clip those sounds? Yes, I actually use a free app that works quite well called Audacity. A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. Wonderful. And we'll link to uh, that in the description for the podcast. And so you have that on your phone. And I'm guessing you hook up your phone to the speaker that's available for you at Trivia Night and you play those? Yes, I do. Since I save those 10 second clips by themselves, I just put them into a little playlist so I can easily just press play. It plays the clip. I can play that a couple times so folks have a chance to really hear it, then move on to the next one. And you uh, have them write uh, the name of the song and the artist? Yes, I usually ask for both. So I will say that each of those is worth half the points for that question. Uh, so okay. one point, each one is worth half the point. If it's a two point one, a little bit harder, the song title and artist is worth one point each. A little bit more niched. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know that it would be uh, how well it would be received. But I always think about the sounds that our instruments make. And so, pl play a sound of an instrument, and you have to guess what instrument it is. Yeah, <laughs> if you're hosting for your own laboratory, that is actually perfectly valid because I'd imagine most people <laughs> have heard have heard those sounds. I'm yeah. thinking it's particularly chemistry analyzers that have had some unique. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And different alarms uh, mm -hmm. for like refrigerator alarms. And yes, exactly. the sound the sound of glass tubes breaking. <laughs> right. Yes. The department the sound belongs to blood bank. That could be super fun. You know, the alarms for the pneumatic tube system, maybe. <laughs> mm, yeah. For specimen receiving. Yeah. Um. Lots to do with sound. And and then what about visual round? What would you do there? Yeah, for a visual round, you could do particular cells maybe um, on like a blood smear could could be. Um, do all kinds of things. Um, one note with the visual rounds is that they do work best if you have a printout for each team um, unless you have a large screen that everyone can see easily, um, it's better that each team gets their own handout, I have found, because uh, it's just a little bit easier to, to see. I don't have to worry about anyone's glasses prescription being a little old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you kind of mentioned that the visual round you usually host uh, as an additional round that they can work throughout the night on. Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes we, we forgo, you know, images and it is like a, a matching word round or more of a list round that if we if it's too wordy to say out loud, you can just have your your list round be on the on the sheet. And that works quite well. Do you have an example of what you mean by list round? 
Oh, yes. Um, I once did a round on um, did Shakespeare coin this phrase or not? That was a fun one. Um, so there was um, like phrases like, I think, in cold blood. I think that's one he did. But he did not coin beat around the bush. And folks had to circle the ones they think they thought that he mm. created. That was a fun one. That sounds so fun. Uh, for visual round, you mentioned that you want to print out for each team, which makes a lot of sense, makes it a lot easier on you. Um, you know, thinking about how we would set up a med lab science trivia, would you need to know ahead of time an approximate number of people that you expect to attend? Yes, I have the luxury of knowing how many tables my my bar that I host at has. So that's how many I end up printing. Um, have an idea of how you want the teams to be set up, or if you're going to have people do the trivia individually, that uh, is, then it helps you prepare. How oh, many yeah, I guess I, I, we didn't talk about that. You know, the format is if you hosting it in individual or in teams. Um, it, I mean, it, I, I've only ever played in teams, but yeah, you can do it individually. I would imagine it would be a little bit harder. Right. I prefer teams. Um, it's more fun to discuss with you know, your mm -hmm. teammates, but I, I have seen ones where, where people have individual questions. Is for there, is there ever a need to do sort of crowd control or how do you do crowd control in terms of buzzers or notifying them that, hey, um, you have to stop, rounds over, we're counting now? How do you manage that? I only ever host trivia where folks write their answers on the paper in front of them. So less so ones where folks, you know, hold up the whiteboard with their answer. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a little bit harder to manage um you can always do like a timer on your phone you have a, an alarm go off um you know next to the microphone that you've got hooked up I've seen some folks do that um that also that that works pretty well um although sometimes you end up do having uh, folks who aren't participating in trivia still try to put their two cents in. <laughs> oh, and yell out the answers. Yes. Yep. And when that happens, the we work with the with the owner of the bar to help us out. Good to to have backup there. Yeah, and I guess before you even start the trivia night, I'm guessing you as a host first list out rules. Yes. Or how it plays. Do you have kind of a brief outline that we can use as a guide? Oh, totally. When I start trivia, we announce that it's, it's beginning. We always ask if anybody else wants to join that you know we missed, didn't get the sheets. Because you never know. Sometimes people didn't plan on going to the trivia, but since it's there, they might as well have fun with it. So we start with there. And then for rules, always phones put away. And then we don't want anyone accusing anyone of cheating. So it's easier just to have everyone put their phones away. For us, no out loud answers. So no shouting out answers, whether right or wrong. 
because even if someone is shouting out a wrong answer on purpose, that's still you know, distracting and disturbing to everyone as well. And we do tell folks ahead of time when we're going to be picking up the answer sheets. So for my team, we pick up the previous round halfway through the next one. So we pick up round one answer sheets halfway through round two. So folks know ahead of time, that's how long they have. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, and you know, when we started our conversation uh, at the beginning in thinking about the categories and uh, my my co concept was fairly simple and to say, Round one is going to be your analysis, round two, blood bank, uh, round three, hematology, et cetera, right? And, uh, you know, that feels uh, more like a quiz and less like a trivia. So you've really helped kind of branch that medical lab science into kind of a blooming flower of incorporated topics and other components. And so because there is so many topics to cover, I don't even know where to start. Um, so if I'm sitting here trying to piece together a category um, that's related, where would I start? Ooh, I generally start with yeah, the topics that I'm interested in. And then I look up on a search engine facts about it. And that usually pulls me into all kinds of different rabbit holes. If you still, if that seems too too much there, you can try to say combine two topics. Um, I know um, um, early before, before I started recording, we were thinking about different topics, like what's your classic trivia topics? Like, you know, was it history? Pop culture, pop culture, science, yeah. geography and the like. Um, mm -hmm. Think how that can relate to medical lab science, can pull in history of our various different disciplines of med lab science. You can pull in if there's terminology that relates um, to those various topics, you know, either historical, I think, we're able to come up with one or two about, you know, geography even mm -hmm. kind of relates um, like one geography, you know, what about our islets of Langerhans? Islet, that is a geographical term. Um, you can pull in all kinds of wild comparisons <laughs> on tangents that way. Yeah, the other example that uh, that we talked about is uh, superheroes, where it's a category where players must identify the superhero uh, from a clue or description of powers, and you use that to pull, you know, T cells and uh, various uh, various parts of our body that help us survive every day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Our our bodies are made up of superhero cells that can relate mm -hmm. all over. Yeah. So, so really what, what, you know, I, I, what I learned uh, is taking our topics in medical terminology and medical laboratory science and connecting it to regular trivia topics and, and going from there to make it accessible um, and fun for everyone. Yeah. And when you're coming up with your, your topics, your questions, yep. 
Internet search engines are your friend. Do not be afraid. You don't have to uh, start from scratch. A lot of people have thought about these things before. So you mm -hmm. can start where, where others have left off. And that's a big help. Oh, that's wonderful. Allison, thank you so much. Really uh, appreciate your time today. Um, for those of you listening and wanting to uh, start the endeavor of hosting a trivia night, uh, you know, any last advice uh, that you have for them? Ooh, you know what? It's not, doesn't have to be as stressful as folks are often <laughs> worried it's going to be. If you're having fun with it, I guarantee you, your audience is going to have fun too. <laughs> and uh, I guess for me, if you've never been to a trivia night, I I would strongly encourage that you find one near you and bring some friends and attend it to get your inspiration in kind of a better idea of of how it's hosted. Yeah. Not to mention it is generally a fun, inexpensive place to hang out and learn new things. Absolutely. Uh, Allison, thanks again for joining us. And we will see you all uh, in April uh, after we are all happy from Lab Week. Thank you so much, Galena and Allison, for amazing discussion on trivia nights and really how to plan them. I mean, this episode was basically an amazing SOP for trivia nights for lab folks. This is amazing. I might try it out. Actually, I don't know. The social anxiety might override the desire to try this out. But anyways, before we close it out with another word from our sponsor, I want to introduce Dorian and our new segment, Dorian Takes. Dorian will dish out her last minute thoughts and really cool stories and fun memories. And honestly, Dorian is a sweetheart. So I hope you guys are as stoked as I am for this new segment. And Dorian, take it away. Hey, thanks, Sophia. I am so happy to be here talking about Lab Week. I love this time of year. And I think a big part of that is because I've been fortunate enough to have worked at facilities where there's a culture of true celebration around Lab Week. And because of that, I have so many great favorite Lab Week memories. The first one that comes to mind is the Lab Week of my first year at my first job. Not only are these memories special because they're some of my first, but I think that by seeing all this at that specific point of my career was truly life-changing as far as setting a mindset for how I viewed the work that we do. So, at this very first job, management showed up and showed out with the festivities, all right? My first indication of that was when I walked into the break room on day one, and it was completely covered with a wall-to-wall -wall collage of lab memes of both the highest and lowest quality. And there were little mini games set up all around the lab to play throughout each day. Things as simple as hangman drawn on the glass doors of the blood bank refrigerators or games as innovative as pipette basketball or guess that smell with make-believe micro-specimens. And when I went to talk to my coworkers about it all, they let me know that I was definitely in for a treat. Or more like treat after treat after treat. Like rule one, for example, was that you need not pack lunch during lab week. There was just this unspoken sense of like, we got you. We got food trucks 
just for us on three out of the five work days. Not only that, but so many of my coworkers had so many connections that really came together to heighten the group experience. Someone had a friend who made and sold tamales, and then boom, we all had tamales for lunch one day. Someone else had a friend who had a bakery, so she made this gorgeous Happy Lab Week cake with little virus and microscope cake toppers to boot. Even things as simple as people going out of their way to bring donuts or cupcakes or even multiple boxes of cereal with several gallons of milk really did make it feel like one big extended family gathering. And it just made me realize that I love Lab Week for all the same reasons why I love Christmas. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll tell you why. At Christmas time, friends and family all come together to spread tidings of good joy and take the time to be thankful for all the simple things in life and be grateful for the bigger picture. The thing is, any lab is inherently a tight-knit department, okay, whether you want it to be or not. And just like family, sometimes we get caught up in sweating the small stuff on a daily basis. I mean, where to begin, right? You got your read draws, cluts, hemolysis, the good old people being rude. And then lab week comes around, and it's like a breath of fresh air, and it breathes in new energy to the labs to take the time to be thankful for the job that we're doing and recognize one another. And that's also what's so great about celebrating Lab Week with ASCLS because we really are just this huge national community of little lab families. Granted, we spend this Lab Week quality time together over social media, really, but I think that the takeaway, whether you're cheersing with your coworkers in the break room or retweeting your colleague's funny story from across the country, is that warm and fuzzy feeling you get with feeling appreciated and feeling like a part of something special, a part of something bigger than yourself. That thing is a lab family. That's what Lab Week means to me. <laughs> Thanks. This episode is sponsored by the University of Cincinnati Online. Take the next step in your medical laboratory career today with the University of Cincinnati Online. Earn a Master of Science in Medical Laboratory Science Leadership fully online and learn what you need to advance. Visit online.uc.edu forward slash MSMLS for more details. <laughs>